Hey, it's me, Behavior Babe here, and I just wanted to take a quick opportunity to thank you for following me, for listening to the podcast, and for supporting me and my dissemination efforts through all, all of these years, or however long you've been following along. I want to let you know about a new patron membership. It is going to be a group of Behavior Babes, and this is um, not uh, open to a particular gender or anything like that. It is open to everybody and I want you to come with me. And if you're craving conversations, common sense and actual solutions to the problems we are all facing as a field and as an industry, uh, come, come join in the conversations and let's help execute these solutions that we know our clients deserve, that we deserve and that these systems so desperately need. Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Aloha, and thank you for joining me today on Behavior Babes Podcast. Today, with as our guest, we have joining us Emily McCullough. Emily, thank you for coming on the show. Aloha, Amanda. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Um, you know, I... I haven't stopped saying aloha in the greetings, and I'm not sure that I ever will. Um, I I think once you're uh, a part of the islands, they always say a part of you. And Emily, you're you're sort of the reason of how, how I got to Hawaii, and, or or what led me to even think and dream of that. Um, but that's a story for another time. Let's let's start by giving our um, listeners an introduction to who you are by having you tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, so um, Emily McCullough, I'm a behavior analyst, but I usually first think of myself as a mother and sister and wife and um, friend. And uh, I'm very passionate about the field of behavior analysis. And um, I've had a lot of different experiences throughout my time in this field. And um uh, I'm just really grateful that I found what I really love to do. So yeah, and I'm grateful that I get to be on this podcast as well, especially with um, the people that I have already listened to that you've interviewed. It's pretty um, great to be in that lineup of people. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. You know, I started the podcast because I thought, man, I know some really cool people and I'd love to learn more about them. And then I thought, oh, there's a lot of other people I don't know about. And and I bet they have cool stories too. And um, it really came from a place of just curiosity. So, you know, I'm going to tell the story of, of how you got Hawaii on my mind, because I think it connects to, um, you know, your one, one example of an experience of maybe your love. I don't know if it's an obsession for starting new projects and being a, a diehard entrepreneur out there, um, I think just in the world, uh, I will not say just in behavior analysis, your understanding of of concepts and and principles and applying them to systems is, it's something I really admired uh, often from afar and sometimes up close. So I think it was 2013, 2012, somewhere around that time yeah. where you had said, we'd love to record and have you do a talk on ethics with us. And um, that was the first time anybody had ever asked me to do a recording. Did you know that? 
Like that was No, like, I did not really. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a second. And I was like, absolutely. I love to talk about ethics. Let's do it. And you're like, how much? And I'm like, well, free. And you were like, no, 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 no. We're going to, it's a product that we're making. And so we're going to pay you for your time. And, um, you know, I had just such a joy working with you and your team. And then I received a check. If anybody remembers those, they are like these paper things that signify. (laughs) Yeah, right. I know we don't write them anymore. And and quite honestly, I don't receive as many as I'd like, but uh, maybe we were called (laughs) checks. And on the check, it was printed. And it said the address as Honolulu, Hawaii. And I thought to myself, I remember picking up that first check and going, wouldn't it be cool if all of my checks said that? <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember And then, that. you know, a whole turn of yeah. events and things happened in a, in a matter of 30 days uh, in my life. I finished my doctorate. There was the, uh, the long winters I was sick of. And I saw you. I saw you at ABAI and I said, Emily, 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 I have an idea. I know. How about this? Um, I'm going to come work with you in Hawaii. You're like, I don't, I don't have a job. I don't, I don't, that's not what I do. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll figure it out. And you obviously did some introductions, but let's talk about the work you were doing when I met you. So autism training solutions is um, what I recall. And for me, it was the first time I really saw ABA videos, concepts, anything out there, um, tangible. It brought to life things that we read about in the books and talked about in class. And so how did you come up with the idea? How did you start? Yeah, no, um, I think I was one of your early fans of Behavior Babe. And I because I remember, um, you know, having conversations with you um, about how you started as well. But um, in terms of autism training solutions, um, for for those of you, the, those of the listeners that maybe don't remember, because this was back in yeah, 2012 to 2015, um, autism training solutions is now called Relias, um, and it's it's pretty different than it used to be. Um, and autism training solutions was really came from um, the mission of disseminating disseminating applied behavior analysis to as many people as possible, but through stories and through um, demonstrating through video stories that what the impact of ABA can have on families and especially children and their progress. And so um, it was a training program that followed the stories of several children with autism spectrum disorder um, and their progress that they made through the treatment um, and the application of the science. And when we first started ATS, it really was to to fulfill a mission that I had that was to help as many families as possible. And um, and from my experience of being able of going and training people face-to-face or doing um, long distance trainings, and then the internet and online learning started you know, coming to the forefront, um, seeing, you know, this could be taught online and this could be taught in, um, effectively online, especially if we tell stories and especially if we, if we demonstrate these things and break it down and use like a, um, personalized system of instruction type of, uh, uh, presentation of the material. So it was just, it was really fun. We pulled together a team, actually our, um, production team, uh, the camera guy and the director, he actually worked on the film Avatar in 
um, LA with James Cameron and um, as like an intern. And then he came out to Hawaii and, and um, then of course I part, I had a couple of colleagues that we partnered with and um, raised funds and uh, collaborated with families that wanted to have their stories told. And uh, it was just, it was an amazing project that grew really quickly. Um, especially with just because you bring you, you pull people in that have the same passion and then, um, you know, you, then you have to, you realize once you build something, it doesn't just all of a sudden, uh, people don't all of a sudden learn about it. Now you have to, um, now you have to learn about marketing. How do you get, how do you get the information that you just, or the, the project you just created and how do you get it out there in the world? So like I pulled in marketing specialists and sales and, and then had to learn how to, especially behavior analysts, we're kind of, um, I don't know how this happens, but we're kind of trained that if, if you're selling something or you're, or you're trying to make money off of what you're, what you're doing, you kind of feel like you're a fraud. <laughs> it can kind of make you feel that way. I remember going to the university, presenting this documentary about children with autism progressing through ABA therapy and breaking down the principles of the science. And it was an hour and a half documentary and presenting it to the university. And the, afterwards they watched it. The person watching said, um, she, you know, she said, okay, well, uh, so you're not going to charge for this, right? This will be free. Like you're going to just, how are you, know, how are you going to get grants or, you know, so, and I was like, no, no, this is a business. And she, she made us feel bad. Like she kind of like was um, like a little sarcastic with us. Like, oh, okay, well, you guys are going to get rich off this, you know, almost kind of like, um, like that was like, that was a bad thing to make money off of something like this. So it was, it was hard to really navigate that in the beginning, um, how to monetize and be, be able to create more. Cause if you, if you do it for free, there's a limit to what you can actually, the impact you can make and overcoming that was, was an interesting process. Uh, um, I am still working to overcome that and work through that as I think, you know, and I've really found you as a mentor in respect to that in particular, um, in this area, in the field, you know, we, we talk about behavior analysis, we are behavior analysts, but how do we use those principles? We'll, we'll learn about something that you don't know about, establish a team, build confidence, right? Those are things that we know we're supposed to do, but we often don't think about, okay, how do we, how do we do it? How, how do we make it happen? How can we create what we have as a vision and respect that our time is valuable? I think mm -hmm. that, you know, people who will, uh, it's also important, I think, to give the context of not everybody knew really like, the impact the internet would have. I mean, of course, in 2012, we, we understood right. the internet, but social media was in its infancy. And so what was the role of that? I think there was perhaps even hesitation about how can you take something that needs to be done by some people's minds in person? How can you keep that authenticity and still make it online? Those were questions I think sometimes that had a lot to do with the unknowns of some of these systems. Now, looking right. back on it, um, I, I imagine that the journey would be different if it were starting today. Um, oh, completely. I mean, you, YouTube had just came out at that time. <laughs> YouTube had just been, been born. So 
for sure. Yeah, and I think once once we we pulled the right team together, we had ev- the right people in the right seats. I mean, that's really what entrepreneurship is. Is you 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 can't do it by yourself. Um, I mean, some people can. It's pretty amazing, but most of the time, you you have to pull in talented, smart, passionate people that have that can do the, the things you can't and put them in the right seats at the right time, and then you get the engine running. Um, and then once the engine's running, you have everyone in the right seat. It just starts to happen. Um, and then you start to see the success. And you, then from there, you can make a bigger impact. So when I first started in this field, um, and I'll just real quickly, I started in this field when I was in high school, 25 years ago. And back then, there was no BACB or like ethics code and stuff. So when I started working as an in-home therapist in an ABA um, for an in-home therapist doing ABA with parents hiring me and then having a consultant come in from LA. So I, I grew up in California. I'm a high schooler in California. I fell into this field volunteering for a church project, like watching children with autism while these parents were in a support group. From there, I got recruited to be an in-home therapist for a new therapy that was coming out of UCLA. Um, so in high school, they parents disguised me as a college student <laughs> because they didn't want them to know I was in high school. Um, but I got trained in ABA from the Lovas Institute and Autism Partnership. And um, I've, I've loved seeing right away the kids that I was just babysitting at the time start to talk start to learn things, start to communicate. And um, and then because I was in home with these families, I became part of the family. So this was, this is before, you know, I'm in high school, I'm 16, 17, 18, before I had this ethical code where, you know, I'm babysitting these kids, going on vacation with these kids. Like I'm, I was part of the family. And so I, that was a very different experience from, from what it is like today. Um, and my, my mission, my, my mission with my career came from those relationships. Like I wanted to help as many of those families as I could. And that was like what drove me. So I went to college, studied, and really I, I fell in love with the science because it was the mechanism in way in which I could help the kids and the families, not really like oh, wow, I'm so fascinated with the science. I was more fascinated with the relationships and the family and the children and the problem solving that I saw that the science could do. Um, So then I went to school and became a lot more fascinated with with the science as I learned it in school. Um, But that continued to drive me was how how can I help as many children, how many, as many families as possible? So then I thought, oh, I'm going to start a school. So I graduated, um, moved to Hawaii, and this was just kind of on a whim. We didn't think we would stay there. But right away, got pulled right into the autism community in Hawaii, which was in dire need of of people at the time. Um, So I right away got- And still to this day. (laughs) And and still to this day, if anyone wants to move there as well. And, um, but from there, you know, worked for the schools, worked for some providers, and then within the first two years, um, got, uh, had the opportunity to help start a school. 
for children with autism in Honolulu um, with a parent. And um, I mean, you know, this, I was 23 years old at that time. So I had like pretty much baptism by, by fire in there. And at, at that time I didn't have, I had my bachelor's degree and I didn't have the behavior analysis, the, the certification had, was really brand new. Um, so at that point I didn't really see the need to do that. Um, and then we have, because it's Hawaii, we get a lot of, uh, a lot of people coming from different countries. And so over the summer, we would get a lot of kids from Japan because they didn't have programs there. Um, and so we cr created a lot of relationships with families in Japan. So then we ended up making, creating a school in Japan. So created a school in Tokyo. And then I was going back and forth between these two schools, running the school, um, had the opportunity to work with like lots of different multidisciplinary um, professionals in Japan and providing training on autism and applied behavior analysis and how to do that. And then from there, you know, that's continued to drive me like, okay, how can I help more, more of these kids? I'm helping kids here in Honolulu. I'm helping kids in Tokyo. And then from there, that's where I saw, okay, I keep having to train the same things over and over again. I'm going to, to these places and saying the same thing over again. I, we should just put this online. <laughs> So that's really how it started. That's just I mean, innovation, I say, sometimes can come from uh, desperation, meaning like fill a need. What is the need that's around us? And I love that you're saying through your experience, it was like, what am I doing over and over and over again? How can I simplify this? How can I um, maximize, you know, the time, the, the, the everything that everybody's learning and engaging with? How can I make it more engaging? I mean, to me, it's a no brainer. And now we have so many opportunities to go, oh, this is where I can find some videos or uh, CEs. Like what we used to be like, where do I get those once a year at this conference? And now they're, mm -hmm. you know, knocking on your front door, flying in at, at our emails. And it yeah. becomes perhaps uh, the difficulty now is perhaps navigating like wh which ones are um, going to bring value to you and your clients and, and things like that and so forth. But I love yeah. how when people have these incredible outcomes and projects and someone goes, okay, how did you do this? What's the roadmap? And they're like, well, I was just sort of fumbling through life and experiences. And then I saw, I saw this need and, and you took it upon yourself to do something about it, which is not uh, in everybody's repertoire or, um, maybe isn't even something that people would find reinforcing, but ATS isn't all that you've done. <laughs> you've done right. so much. You know, I think about the transition when you were with Relias and you were uh, influencing so much of the research that was going on there. I got really excited because again, we, we hear about there's folklore about behavior analysts doing other things, not just talking to behavior analysts. And then I see Emily over there doing it. And so I, I appreciate that you are, I agree, probably one of my first, before I knew I had fans, um, you were, you were there. And I was just like, it was, it's mutually, you know, reciprocal because I was also just like, wow, look at, look at these paths you're creating and, you know, there's always going to be new problems to solve and it's going to require new thinking. And so I love that you continue on that journey. Where did you go after ATS or what, or what was that journey like for you? And I'd love to hear about some, mm -hmm. 
some uh, some projects. Maybe did, did you ever have any that just didn't work out and, and that you'd be willing to share? Uh, that's sure. a second, second thought. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I think I caught the bug with ATS, the, the startup entrepreneurship bug, because you um, it, it really and I you probably people probably heard this before, but your your project becomes your baby. Like it feels like your child, right? And then it starts out as this like little baby and then you have to put a lot of time in it and you have to develop it. And then it, with, when it, we joined Realize, I really felt like I was like seeing my baby get married. <laughs> right? And I, was like, and I got to stick around for a while. Um, the reason why I did with Relias was because I, there was so many opportunities to collaborate with other disciplines. Um, and I really wanted to have that experience. Um, and I got offered the experience and, um, and they asked me because of my background in behavioral science and they wanted to understand. And what I thought was, was really impressive about Relias is that they understood that behavioral science was more than just autism treatment. It was the science of behavior change. And, and, um, I did a lot of advocating for how the learning management system that we that we created, which was what delivered the training, how it was based on behavioral science, how we based it on personalized system of instruction and how we used video modeling and then how we had active student responding and that their, their learning management system could also adopt principles that could improve the staff um, training outcomes, which could impact clinical outcomes. They really like, jived with that. So they brought me onto their team as that behavior change expert in terms of like staff change, staff behavior change. So I got to work with physicians and nurses and um, therapists, um, instructional designers, and um, just collaborate on that side for about five years and start a research institute where we actually published research articles on evaluating um, educational outcomes and how it impacted clinical outcomes in in pa for patients, like um, in hospitals and um, like for example, we were uh, evaluating the uh, you know nurses' uh, health and diet based on like wellness programs and stuff like that. Um, but I you know now I've I've been published outside of ABA journals, which is which was one of my goals in life. I like I'd like to disseminate this and other ways outside of, uh, of ABA. Um, but once, once I was there for about five years, I really got the itch again to be a part of a startup um, because the startup is, it's just my jam. I like to be, I like to wake up every day doing something different, uh, making something new, um, put, pulling teams together, um, you know, and I'm wearing many, many hats. <laughs> I really like um, and applying, still applying to be the science of behavior analysis and working in, in the position I'm in now, which is at Motivity, um, I get to still continue to fulfill my mission, which is to help as many families and children as possible. And it's just interesting because when I started back, you know, in high school and college, and I said, this is my mission, I did not think of all the many ways I could actually I could actually work towards my mission. I thought it meant I had to be sitting there with kids every day, um, helping them and families. And, and I didn't know, I like, I would be, 
a, like working with a tech company, right? It's, so it could be applied in, in so many different ways. And I think people, when they go into this field and they learn the science that they, that there are many ways that you can apply it um, in business and healthcare and, um, you know, all kinds of entrepreneurship, there's all different, different options. It's important for people to hear that and to see examples of that. Um, I think I, I said that's what really was attractive to me too. I was like, whoa, what's going on over here? Let me uh, like uh, just marvel uh, or observe and try to, you know, learn. Uh, I recall distinctly just an incredible moment, like life lesson that I had um, thanks to you. And thanks to Relias. So we'll just give a shout out to that. It was at the the year that I came to California and joined for the conference. And mm. one of the speakers uh, was Shiza Shaid. And oh, yeah. we had the opportunity to have, remember, have breakfast uh, with a small group. And um, for anybody who doesn't know, and it's totally okay if that's, if, if that's everyone out there, but Shiza Shaid was uh, Malala's teacher and had created the school that they were, you know, sneaking off to. And one of the things I remember about her was just she she presented as so regal and yet she was much younger than me. And, and there was just this, these pieces to her. And I was actually telling a, a friend, a colleague, a former professor, another behavior analyst, Susan, Dr. Susan Ainsley, about it. And she said, yeah, whenever you see or meet or hear about incredible people and in their stories, um, ask who their mentors are, ask who their teachers are, because their stories are are really cool too. And so did you have a, a guide, a path? Did you have mentorship? Was it all trial by fire? You know, you said it was a bit of that um, going through it. And yeah. And if not, I think I think that might be what's holding some sometimes holding people back. How do you how would you advise others that they could take that leap? What does that look like for them? Yeah. I, I mean, I think some of my best mentors necessarily are not behavior analysts. Um, like I've has I have had some great mentors that are behavior analysts, but um in terms of like applying it outside of the field, I don't I'm not sure that we're always really that great at it. Um, no, we suck at it. We're, we're, I mean, I mean, listen, I've, I've even, I've been doing a lot of my career, uh, reaching out and talking about behavior analysis and we've grown the field, but we may still be talking to ourselves. Right. Right. And we, yeah, we're still talking to her. So I think one of, um, find people like you just said, find people that, um, are just doing really impactful things and, offer to take your expertise of understanding the science of behavior to to help and assist them and and to support them so one of my my one of my first mentors was actually on my director of marketing for ats she um she was i mean her background she was in, had an mba and she had a backward in, background in um, startups and getting them up and raising capital and investments and you know pitching to investors and this was like a, just a totally a, a world I did not understand. And as she was teaching me, um, I, you know, I would talk to her about behavior analysis and she'd be like, oh, well, that sounds just like, you know, understanding your audience, what's, what drives them, what's their motivation. And then, you know, it's really, you can translate a lot of behavior analysis and the science of, of motivation into like 
sales and marketing and how, um, you know, people understanding what people want to hear. And like, like people don't want to be sold to, they want good information, right? They don't, um, they want a solution. Like here's an yeah. issue having, I want the solution. They don't want a product. They want a solution. So how do you just, I remember when I was first starting sales and I had to start calling people, like you just have to start calling people. I'm like, like I'm going to call someone and tell them buy my product. She's like, no, like, <laughs> that won't work. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you're going to call somebody and find out what their problems are. Like find out what they really struggle with and offer them solutions to their problems. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's exactly what we do as behavior analysts. Like we analyze, we come in and we, we assess the, the situation. We assess the problems and we find the solutions. So as soon as I was able to translate that over and feel okay with calling someone and finding out about their problems, and it took a lot of, I mean, there was probably people I called in the beginning were like, oh my gosh, who is that person? I mean, <laughs> people totally like hanging up on me, but um, that was because it's just a different type of assessment that you're doing. Um, but I, I think that another mentor or not that I've had is like with this, this new company I'm part of at Motivity. So that the CEO, his name is Jet Rex Jakobovitz. He's, um, his work had really pulled me in to this new project I'm doing and his mentorship, you know, he's, he's a, um, PhD engineer and, um, but just brilliant at, um, funding, getting grants, um, National Institute of Health grants to fund, um, small business innovation. So my, my experience with this new organization, like is very different compared to ATS. ATS was bootstrapped. Like, like we just minimum viable product, get it out there, make money, improve it. Right. Where with Motivity, um, Rex was able to, to, to submit grants to get funding so that we didn't have to put any type of minimum viable product. We had a completely viable product because he was able to submit and get, you know, $11 million in grants to build a product. Um, So I've been able to um, be mentored by him and go through that process and learn that system and how um, small business innovation grants can fund, uh, you know, mental health technology in, in the space of ABA. And I think that our field underutilizes that resource. I mean, he goes and he um, he's also a grant reviewer, and um, you know there's a lot of oper- He goes through many, many, many grants, and most of them are. I mean, I would say probably all of them are not related to behavior analysis. They're they're um, all, all kinds of adjacent fields, but behavior analysts are not really tapping into this. Um, so I've learned a lot from that, but also learned that, you know, I've been able to jump into uh, a team of people where this product is ready to go. And now we just need to, now we just need to disseminate it. And so um, that's what I've been doing for the last three years, which is exciting because this, this technology that I was part of before um, was a lot less complicated, like with data collection systems for clinicians that 
that work in the ABA space, but also pediatric therapies, it, it has a lot more complexity in the technology. So I've had to learn a lot more about the technology space, how to learn, learn more about technology adoption. Like that's a huge behavior change. That's organizational behavior change. How do you get a, a whole organization to adopt or transition to a new technology across the board and uh, be happy about it? And be happy about it. Now that <laughs> that's, I would be impressed just answering the first question. My question for you is what, what solution are you solving? Like what, what solution are you bringing? What problem is Motivity solving or the work that you guys are doing there? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I joined this team was because of the solution. So um, organizations in the field of ABA have had to adopt this electronic health record um, process because we, you know, we, we've got to jump on this bandwagon with um, the other um, uh, medical industries are using EHRs. So within the last 10 years, we've had systems come out that are focused on ABA. Um, but the legacy systems really, uh, I, there's a lot of organizations that are just feeling like stuck there or um, they're, they're antiquated, maybe kind of rigid, not allowing them to um, design their clinical protocols the way that they would like to design them um, for the best clinical outcomes. Um, or that it's just getting, um, the, the systems are just getting not, not rely, as reliable as they used to be, kind of like not. I mean, I, for people who don't know you, something I just have to interject and say is Emily yeah. is the kindest human being out there, um, out there in all of the land, because Emily, if, if it's okay, I'll just say a lot of the existing systems they suck. They are failing us. They are prohibiting us from doing what we need to do as clinicians. I'll speak from a clinician perspective, having overseen and having to uh, maneuver within those. And I'm currently supervising uh, a, a student pursuing their, you know, their degree in behavior analysis. And we're identifying problems uh, like, yeah. you know, what, what's up with um, everything defaulting to percentage? Um, when that's not an accurate measure for most behaviors. And mm -hmm. the question that I've brought to some of these uh, teams that I, I'd love to see more solutions in this space. So I'm so excited, so excited because I just had to jump in and say, your frustrate, uh, our field's frustrations uh, may not have been as clearly conveyed in your, um, I think, very tactful <laughs> description. And yeah. that truth can be true while also my experience in truth, you know, of, yeah, like how can we take data in a meaningful way during during sessions? Is this the stuff that we're talking about that it then produces things or you're talking more larger than that organizational? I mean, I know the systems can be quite large, but like who who will find the most usefulness um, in their, whose, whose lives get improved uh, first with some of the solutions? Yeah, well, first it's, it's, um business owners who need to capture this information for um, billing purposes. But then you have the BCBAs will have, I think, the biggest impact because they have, they'll have the free, they have the freedom and the flexibility to design their behavior protocols and treatment plan the way that they want to design them. Um, uh, and, and then of course the, the frontline staff, the BTs or the therapists that are collecting data, it's, um, you know, you have an updated, modern, reliable, data collection system that's easy to 
to learn. It takes them 15 minutes to learn how to use. So wait a second. I wait, I'm sorry. It takes how long? It it takes 15 minutes for the frontline staff to learn how to use the, the system. And with this is based on like actual clinical trials. Yeah. And think about the time and the frustration that that would save organizations and systems. Obviously, compliance is key and critical. Capturing that information in a secure way, all of those pieces I was making assumptions were in there. But that's incredible to hear just from even a training perspective that the solutions are being offered that also result in time savings. Right. Yes, for sure. But I think that what Motivity is mostly known for is the the power of the the program builder and the templates builder. So um, you can not only let, make your session notes look however you want, like you can make them do and look however they however you want, but but the actual programs that you build for your treatment plans, um, you can if you can do it. Basically, we say if you could do it on paper, you can do it in Motivity. Um, so. That's what's pretty amazing. Like, for example, if that's incredible, but I, I don't know how many practitioners have had the experience to do some of those things on paper. And that was one of the conversations my supervisee and I were having was, you know, she's like, I would print out the reports and we would sit down and go through them with the parents. And now it's electronically sent and it's like, click, you know, click this attachment and it's 75 pages long and yeah. it's, it's losing not just the the, it's antiquated, but it's also, I think some of the existing systems, this is just my perspective and I'd like to hear yours. Um, they set us up to do things that aren't congruent with the field, with the science, and they might be okay by design. They might be acceptable to a health plan, but we also have to maintain that involvement in the design. And that's what you're talking about is in the design of these tools. Yes. Right. I, I mean, if you think about, there's so many different applications of behavior analysis. I mean, you have like, there's people, there's peak data, right? Or SBT or um, different types of ABC and functional behavior assessment. I mean, people kind of just have their own ways of displaying the data and, and capturing all of those in a system is, um, you know, especially in the older systems, it's just not possible. But in Motivity, the reason why it is, is because you have, um, uh, we have a program builder that's extremely versatile. So in in other systems, let's say you want to have peak data. You can't just go in and make peak data. You have to go to the engineers and request. We need a peak data um, user interface that has like the scoring mechanisms and it adds up all the, the scores together and it graphs it, right? So you have to submit that request and then they, you know, that they'd have to prioritize that and then build it and then release it, which could take months to years. But in Motivity, a behavior analyst could actually design a peak data sheet on their own. So they could go into the program builder without knowing, and they don't have to know code, but they do have to learn, um, they do have to learn like modules on how to use all the rules that are in there because you can set a super flexible rule-based system where you can design your own interface, design your own buttons, your own scoring mechanisms, and your own graph. Wait, individualization. Yes, exactly. That's a huge critical component of our field is making sure that we have the ability to individualize. At the same time, uh, you know, and probably a conversation for another day, I think we have some needs for some standardizations as well. Um, mm -hmm. But this isn't the place for that. Like this is where individualization has, I think, 
been lacking or the desire has has strengthened and perhaps perhaps other systems solved problems uh when they were presenting themselves and we have new environments new situations we are likely going to need new solutions so i appreciate you know you sharing and helping me uh, also understand and and our listeners uh, a bit about the projects that you're working on we um obviously could talk for hours we for anybody yeah. who doesn't know we were talking prior to this recording uh starting um we've known each other a long time and emily i just have always appreciated, I think I said this to you before, you feel like a, like a steady, uh, you're, you're on the path, like, you know, what, you know, what is your jam and your joy, and you continue to seek it out in ways that do benefit the field, benefit the world that allow you to meet your mission. And I thank you today, you know, for sharing that there's more than one way to meet our mission. And I think that's a message that's probably going to resonate with a lot of listeners, um, it certainly resonated with me. So I wanted, I wanted to thank you for, for all of your jewels and gems of wisdom. Before we conclude today, is there any other projects, shout outs, messages that you want to give or share with our audience? Feel free to do so. Sure. Um, no, thanks so much for having me. Um, if, if anyone wants to just reach out to me, um, I'll, I'll have Amanda put my email address and I'm happy to collaborate or to answer questions or um, talk about entrepreneurship or startups. Um, also, if anyone's interested in learning more about Motivity, I can also help you there as well. Fantastic. And for general information about applied behavior analysis, you can always visit www.behaviorbabe.com, but be sure to check out our new membership section, which is coming soon. 